that defeated sound at the beginning of the podcast so we'll know how this podcast is going to be. It's going to set the mood here. Uh, 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 fuck. <laughs> this is real. <coughs> what was that? Yep. Yeah. It's delicious. All right, we ready here? No. Whoa. Stips and snaps. Idle thumbs 177. What, Chris? I said, let's fucking go. What? Let's go. fucking psyched hell yeah chris i'm into it oh are you yeah okay uh it's uh it's <clears throat> it's september 24th 2014 this is idle thumbs 177 i'm chris remo i'm jake rodkin and i'm danielle riendo hey Yo. this is such a low-key cast it is a little bit that's I why like i tried last... to force that enthusiasm oh, in <laughs> i see is this actually 177 uh, uh, i think I mean, so i'm pretty sure, it is. I'm pretty sure. um because 176 was the classic alien form. That's true. I yeah. believe. Yeah. This is the first week in a while that it feels like this room hasn't just been packed full of podcast hosts. Yeah. It's a little more relaxing. It's leisurely. Yeah. <laughs> you just sort of take it all in. Here in the curation room. This is our, our curation room. Oh, the curation room. Oh, is it, our, is it the curation room where curation happens? Where the curation <laughs> where magic? The curation comes to life? I'm curious about your what? curation room. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds like a growth or something on like a yeah. toe. Where curation comes to life? The curation? <laughs> the curation? It's my curation. I put Let's a curate. salve on it. Yep. Curated meats. <laughs> curated meats. Yeah. Actually, the Autothumbs Kickstarter, I think we backed of some, some curated meats, which I don't think were ever oh, delivered true, to right. us. Yeah. I think the Kickstarter failed. Oh. Well, they would have been curated cured meats. Yes. They right. were curated. It was an artisanal There's curated cured meats. going on there. Meats. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Uh, cool. I know you were saying that because you wanted to talk about steam curation. Well, we don't have to. <laughs> but you, know, you just want to talk about curation enough that curation doesn't mean anything when the word curation is said enough that you can't really hear That's anything about curating. for the last 15 years on the internet. That's well, we're curators. Yeah, yeah, the concept of curators has been so, like, everyone's a curator. Everyone's a taste Right, maker. okay, so like, Steam put out the big old Steam... Uh, what's it called? It's in Valve style, so it's named something. Oh, I didn't know it's, it was It's like something. the something. It's like the personalization update or something like that. Discoverability update? Yeah, oh, yes. like the engagement update. Yeah. But be- because, or as a part of that now, anyone who has a Steam group and recommends more than 10 games can become a Steam curator, which means if you subscribe to a curator, the re- things that they have chosen to curate, their recommendations show up in a little, like, scrolly list on your Steam homepage in the same area as, like, sales or stuff you uh, would show up or promote favorited promotional whatever. Um, yeah. It's 
pretty sweet, I guess. Uh, <laughs> they should have called it Steam Tastemakers. That would have been much better. It, yeah. You know. <laughs> it would have sounded like a coffee kind of thing. Like, yeah, like Steam Tastemakers. Steam Influencers. Yeah. Kind of like that. There's probably a... You could probably draw a timeline with that includes phrases like curators, tastemakers, and influencers that takes us through like web 1.0 to web 2.0 to like the cloud web or whatever the fuck we're in right now. Oh, right. Cause curators it's a little, a little classier. Yeah. But like, uh, influencer is where it's at now. Influencer. Though. Yeah. The social Steam media, oh, disruptors. Yeah. the social web, the disruptors. That's, what, that's the web we're in Steam now. Disruptors. Steam is- that <laughs> <laughs> would just, yeah. I don't Disrupt know your curation. Um, yeah, I had a, I had a. Um, I we're not talking about anything about this. We're just obsessed with the word curator. Sorry, it's this so is like crazy. So when I was growing, when I was a child, like my <laughs> wow, uh, Bruce Wayne being a child. Uh, when I was growing up, we had a this a sort of distant relative in our family who I never met um, because he was you know like a curator. A few, he was a curator. <laughs> he was a few degrees like away from our immediate family, so I just never encountered him but i i always knew of him because he was like a point of pride in our family because he was the curator of like the white house oh cool so like the art in the white house yeah. he curated and was like as a result the historian of that art like i'm i remember i remember this recently because uh, i hadn't heard about him since i was a kid and then he died in 2013 and the new york times actually published an obituary of him which was cool which I'm looking at now. He died because he saw George W. Bush's paintings. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's really... That's an actual oh, friend of your family. Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> oh, uh, Mr. Scouten, you must curate these. <laughs> mm. No. This guy is hardcore. He was a former Secret Service agent who then became a White House curator from Harry S. Truman to Bill Clinton. Oh, wow. Fucking that's awesome. hardcore. That's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty boss. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, he was chief usher and like, I guess was his official title. And one of his roles was, was being a curator. And we had a, we had a like coffee table book in our house. That was like the art of the white house, this like big, you know, heavy bound thing. And like he had signed it inside and that was a thing. He's related to you. Yeah. He's related to us. That's why I said he was a distant family. Okay. Right. Okay. So, but you're not like his descendant. No. This was so, like, like I, a shouldn't lateral, get, I shouldn't get my hopes up for your steam cousin or something like that. Or, yeah, so, yeah, something like that. Okay. I shouldn't get my hopes up for your steam curation list. Then it's not going to be like. <laughs> well, it's just I, the curation from the family that brought you the, the White, uh, White House gallery curator Truman through Clinton comes <laughs> Chris Ramos steam picks. <laughs> that's well. That's exactly why I bring this up is because I went like growing up, I knew that there was someone called a curator in our family before I knew what the word curator was. So my, the entire, the entirety of my conscious life being aware of the concept of curation, it has been kind of an ennobled phrase, right? That, that brings along with it, um, connotations of, uh, kind of really deep appreciation and a sense of history and like sort of a sense of duty because of the part connected to this, like nonpartisan, you know, like political service. Um, and so that is like this constant, um, uh, keystone in my brain for what the concept of curation is. And then that just sort of slams into like the infinite brick wall. You got a tumbler, you're a curator. Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, so that's just the thing that always kind of collides in my brain. Every time I see a new 
internet concept, like pushing the idea of sort of disposable curation. Right. I don't know. I don't know why I'm, why I'm saying this. It just is a thing I think about whenever I see this word used. Yes. In like increasingly kind of just um, ephemeral ways. I yep. Guess. Yeah, I am of about a million minds about this. The whole like this whole <laughs> Steam discovery update, the Steam curation thing, and like on one hand. <clears throat> Like we've linked the Idle Thumbs Steam group off our homepage, yeah. basically forever, and there is now an Idle Thumbs Steam curator thing. Please subscribe to it. Please check it out. <laughs> yeah, we, why not? Um, that's that's another funny thing about all of these. I like it's. So, <laughs> I'm always so ambivalent about all this stuff, but then of course the whole point of it is that it's designed to be so easy that why wouldn't you just do it? Yeah, right. Like why wouldn't you put together the Idle Thumbs curation group? So right. For did why? Whereas not? like it's got. Some picks from previous goatee.cx's, which is the Idle Thumbs mm-hmm. occasional game of the year. It's got some stuff that so we like. So, like, Miyazmata's in there. Yeah, Miyazmata's in there. Obviously, Far Cry 2's on Spelunky's there. Spelunky's in there. And then it's just got a couple, a couple other things yeah. that we've talked about recently. Um, like, Gods Will Be Watching's on there. And then I think our plan is to just, if we talk about a game on our episode that we feel we'd want to actually recommend that you'd buy, like, if you give it, like, a buy it rating instead of a rent it uh, rating, <laughs> uh, and it's on Steam, we'll put it up there. Because why the hell not? Seems cool. Um, also, Steve Gaynor has a curation thing, and we're trying to get more. Like we're we, trying to get more, <laughs> more don't people. Follow, don't follow. Don't follow, him, follow Steve's. Follow, follow ours. Um, Naturally. But on the other hand, I mean, this there's like there's then the sort of realism versus idealism of what Steam in quotes like what Steam is for and like what Steam is for me because like. Steam is now entirely just given up on the idea that its customers are ever going to try and find anything ever under any circumstances <laughs> without it just being on the front page, which is probably what the data bears out. But, like, new releases unfiltered, no longer on the page. Random things you might, like, buried two pages deep. Like, even more than one page of top sellers, you have to go to a separate page to see. Yes. Which is a bummer, because I actually really like just kind of idly scrolling through the list of new releases and new top sellers. That it, was actually... The Steam, fun- the two Steam things I used more than any other yep. thing to browse was yeah. just like scrolling. So now, but now those. it's notable new releases, which is like a, a, a cross right. blend of top sellers and new releases in the same column. And then the other big thing now is curators, and anyone can be a curator, but it also just like it feels like discoverability and variety. I mean, it's classic Valve, which is also weirdly classic Google, which is just why do it algorithms when a robot it. can yeah, do it? Exactly. You know. Um, yeah. But then now the, the, this is the other sort of funky thing about all of this is that the algorithm that's doing this is basically like anyone can be a curator, but if you go to the page, it's like find people to follow as curators. It just sorts by how many people are following them. So, so like Total Biscuit is just number one It's like forever. Total Biscuit yeah. PC Gamer. Yeah, Total Biscuit just wins forever and will always win forever, which is like unless they secretly have like that there's going to be a reset or they're going to shuffle in other metrics but it feels like the same thing that everyone always complains about with the iOS app store which is once you're at the top of the charts you're at the top of the charts because the only thing that people look at is the what's the top, the top of the chart, chart. Yeah. yeah so like this thing is built in the name of God, discoverability I... but it's a whole, like it's instead self-filtering it down to the same one list of games which mm-hmm. is like yeah. Yeah, I had that experience on the I've always known that about the App Store, but I had a really just I, I it really came to the forefront of my awareness of the App Store the other day when I finally deleted Desert Golfing, which I need to talk about this week. Oh, no. um, and uh and I'm like, "Oh, I don't really like look for games for my phone ever." Like I 
sometimes one will bubble up through the conversation on Twitter or whatever, like, um, uh, like, uh, swing copters or yeah, or drop seven or, um, desert golfing, you know, a few others, but I never just go on there. And I went on there and tried to find a new game to play. And it's, it is impossible. Yeah. It is impossible. I like on three different occasions, I went and tried to just like, how do I even start to look? Cause everything that I saw, like, everything that was surfaced through either Apple's own lists or through top grossing or whatever, just looked unappealing. It just looked unappealing. You know, yeah. like yeah. they either had names that were just these totally bland, like eight word buzzword fests, right? Like there's this popular thing called Game of War Fire Age that it just sounds what? like they just reached into a grab bag and pulled out, you know, everything of every top selling game for the last decade. War of Duty Candy Crush. Like, yeah, just, it really is that. And then gross. and then other things were just these really unappealing looking kind of generically good graphic 3D games. I'm like, I don't want to play this on my phone. They just, just a bunch of bland looking 3D games that are probably control badly. And like, and then, or it was just the really exaggerated sprite kind of thing with a little tag that says in-app purchases. And I'm just like, (laughs) you mean like a clash of clans style? I don't know. I guess there's like a lot of gem themed things. Um, (laughs) And I'm like, I'll, I like bejeweled, but like, I'm not going to just randomly pick one of like 17 different seemingly identical jewel games. You know what I, Like I, it's crazy. I just, there's no metric. There's no basis. What you need are some tastemakers. Yeah. I apparently I need some fucking tastemakers. Apple curators. Well, Cause the other half of what steam did in addition to the curation, the sort of manual curation stuff is, and I assume that they're using curation data to like further refine these recommendations, but they're also just making the entire front page of steam far more geared towards individual it's trying to be like amazon's homepage or something i imagine where it's like here's the kind of things you like here's the kind of things your friends like here's what your curators follow and i imagine if you just keep scrolling past it'll just keep populating it with more yeah all this stuff seems cool but i wish that like i wish how it worked it just makes it feel even more like a black box that is just confusing to me i mean i think it's probably better on balance because steam was getting to the point where you know, like the App Store, it's just this never-ending deluge of games. There didn't used to be because there just weren't as many, you know, there, there just weren't by volume as many games right. coming out all the time. And now there are. And now there's also just like 3D software and all this other stuff oh, yeah. that goes up on Steam. Yep. So it just, you know, it was getting unmanageable. So I guess this is a, I guess this is better. Yeah. I, I, mean, I imagine as far as the curation stuff goes, people have figured out how it works better than I have, but... My initial assumption, which was obviously entirely wrong, was that it was effectively just like a recommendation Twitter feed where like when you add a game, when a curator adds a game, it would show up as like, this is a thing your curator has recommended. But that's not how it works because uh, it seems to be recent, like how recently a curator that you follow recommended it crossed with how many other lists it appears on okay, that you follow. Yeah. Okay. So like I've, I've seen uh, a game show up in the list and then it just has three different icons of three different people that I follow. So it seems like that is then trying to encourage you to follow more people. I mean, it seems like if you can actually pick five people whose lists you look at and have interesting things on them, you'll probably actually get interesting things out of them. But if you literally just follow the top five on the thing, if you just fall, if you follow, Total Biscuit, Kotaku, PC Gamer, whatever else is there. I imagine at a certain point that stuff's just going to homogenize because it's going to be 
new big releases. And yeah, like, I'm sure, like, I, I'm sure that to his credit, the Total Biscuit one will have weird theme finds that he does daily videos about. But I, I think even that will just get buried quickly right, unless you the, really self-select yes, towards the weird cro- stuff, right? Because the crossover, like, I'm sure all of those lists. I'm sure PC Gamer's list has crazy stuff on it too. But like, the ones they will all share in common are the the big, big ones. ones, yeah. And then the ones around the margins will be different from list to list. Yeah, it seems like yeah. you have to go out of your way to find weird Steam curators, but that's not what they're promoting. They're not so like, but who knows? Maybe it does some qu- crazy magic, weird math <laughs> inside of it that we can't figure out. But like right now, it's just telling me to buy Gauntlet all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, a thing that I remember, I remember hearing. I think it was Gabe Newell talking one time about how valve thinks about algorithms and stuff. And he, he definitely seemed to me to be of the mind that valve doesn't necessarily care about promoting small, weird things. They care about promoting small, weird things. If If the data they gather from, right. If the data, data they gather from their user base suggests that's what they should be promoting, but they don't necessarily inherently care about that. Right. As like, they're not out to like skew the data such that it, benefits those games right which i don't know how i feel about that i guess it makes sense i mean it's not like exciting to me i suppose i I don't know it seems like you could use the curation system deliberately as a person if you if you yourself curate your curation list (laughs) you could probably get it to give you something interesting games yeah but on the other hand i suspect that for a lot of people who think that's what they want the secret steam fucking taste robot is like I know what you actually want. <laughs> what you actually want is whatever fucking gauntlet. Like that's what, yeah. you know. Gauntlet's been all over that thing. I see gauntlet every single time I load up. Yeah. I mean, everywhere. do you think they're secretly tweaking things? You I know, don't know, if, if I don't there's think so. to do that? I don't think they are. No. Okay, I'm just curious. I mean, that was. I mean, they pro- there's probably still paid promotions and stuff. Sure, like, sure. Because it's a store. Yeah. How could they not do that? Right. Right. Yeah. That was the other thing that immediately came up as an issue with the Steam curation stuff was, which was. Jesus Christ, if you're at the top of the curators list and you're just the guy that everyone sees, right. whether you're a Total Biscuit yeah, or one of the other top 10. he already has 150,000 followers yeah. on yeah. that thing in a day. It's got to be tempting as fuck to be like, well, I can obviously juke your stats on Steam by just putting your game at the top of my yeah. reference list, yeah. of my curator list. And that means it's going to bubble up for a lot of people. Total Biscuit immediately like one of the first things he did was recommend a game that he had a sponsorship deal with right I was people noticed it and then yeah. he was like and then he put a thing up saying i will not actually ever do this i didn't really think about it this way it's yeah. a gray area yeah, new thing really- whatever kind of a dodge answer kind of a genuine answer but the end result was in the case of that specific guy at this specific time he's not going to put any sponsored anything inside of that feed but like but what's stopping any what's other stopping, YouTube celebrity? Yeah, yeah basically. Um, yeah, there's already multiple YouTube celebrities up on that up on the top ten list. Yep. I noticed. Yeah, the uh, there was an article on Kotaku about it, and they asked Valve about it, and Valve's response is just like, "Well, I mean, we don't know. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. We're gonna watch things very carefully to make sure that things like that aren't <laughs> happening." Of course. But there's no official rule. We just hope people will use their best judgment or something. It was just some like classic. Yeah. The market will decide. Basically. Yeah. Classic, just non whatever. Non but like, people don't like that. Maybe they can just unsubscribe from that. Uh, from that from that curator yeah. that you didn't remember that you subscribed to, but is subconsciously <laughs> affecting your entire storefront <laughs> metrics for money. Like, yeah. It makes me wish that they had just gone all out with the thing that Gabe Newell was talking about like a year ago, which was just not. 
like if the if the curation lists had gone one tiny step further and had just basically become become storefronts. Like yes. don't even okay. call it a curation list, just yeah. call it a storefront. Yep. Make it a thing that doesn't have to be hosted on steampowered.com. Let you just drop it in an embed. But it goes through their payment merchant and everything. Yeah, like yeah. I I imagine that could be a place that they're going now, but this whole launch made me wonder if maybe they considered that and then said, No, fuck it. This is actually the, the smart move. <laughs> Because this whole thing does feel like or it's just en- the easier move. It's the easier move, but it also feels like it is actually engineered a hundred percent around the fact that, like, they're calling this curators, and everyone makes fun of that, and then everyone also laments the fact that YouTubers are at the top of the list. But as far as like people who are doing games coverage, whose entire job is to be a curator or a tastemaker for their audience, it is YouTubers. Oh yeah, and Valve is entirely optimizing towards YouTubers with this thing, where it's like link to a thing maybe it's a review or a youtube video where you talk about the game like what's in the description for the for yeah. the associated link like this thing is built for total biscuit to convert people straight onto steam like it's what it's for yeah so i i mean maybe they actually decided this is the smarter play than letting people like you can't open up a steam store on youtube but youtube is where all the eyeballs are so maybe this is their That's play true. like yeah. Yeah. yeah i don't know makes a certain kind of sense I, Anyway, I don't know. If only Nick Brecken were here to... <laughs> oh, man. He could tell us. He wouldn't tell us, but he would go... Like, <laughs> I don't even know. He'd, just, he would, he'd be fucking freaking out. He Nick would. would be off. Like, he would have found a chalkboard that he could have flipped around <laughs> and started drawing shit up. <laughs> this explains everything. Like, he would know. But where's Nick when we need him? He's in Hawaii, like, riding around on a sea turtle or something. Oh, perfect. With, like, a drink in his hand. Def- yes. Oh, yes. Perfect. <laughs> he's, probably, he's probably doing that. Nick is probably... Oh, no, oh, yeah. When people are listening to this, Nick is... If he does what he says he's going to be doing, he is going to be kayaking to the place in Kauai <laughs> where they filmed the scene where Indiana Jones jumps into a biplane and there's a snake in the plane. But oh, hopefully he's doing that excellent. with a big fat like pineapple juice Mai Tai <laughs> in one hand. <laughs> And or one Nick, foot out the side of his doing boat it with like a Manhattan glass. Yeah, that's also no fine. Yeah. Make it a little classier, you yeah. know. Yeah. Class up your kayak experience. Yeah, that's what I hope. But hopefully, then he also has an earbud in and is listening to this podcast and is freaking out about conspiracies. <laughs> He'll flip his kayak. Just, yeah. <sighs> Metaphorically and literally, he would. He Nick really Beckham, would. He would. He would get so. What? What? No. I know. I knew it. It makes so much sense. And then in his. <laughs> Like fervor, he'll flip he'll flip the kayak over and then complain about why every bad thing happens to him. <laughs> There's some secret equations on the underside. Also, as you should well. follow Nick's uh, Steam curation list. <laughs> yes. Should we talk about our other secondary curation list? Oh yeah, that's because uh, so the Idle Thumbs curation list is, contains many games, but one we're, we're planning on updating it as we talk about stuff on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking for certain games, <laughs> one specific game, um, it comes from a universe very similar to our own. You might want to look for the Dishonored Idle Thumbs curation list, <laughs> uh, which has Dishonored on it. <laughs> Is that the only game that's on the list? There's yeah. other Dishonored video games, maybe. There's, there's, yeah. there's games that are in the Dishonored games. universe. Yeah, games that take place in the Dishonored universe are featured... I in see. The Dishonored Idle Thumbs curation list. Dunwall, the Dunwall only list. Yeah. Lovely. Mm-hmm. It's the a world or less. I the see. Dishonored universe. I Let's, see. Yeah. I see how it is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I sort of just exploded my brain uh, out into this microphone about Steam curation. I don't know what else there is to talk about it. Unless you guys have Steam curation stuff you want to you Andy Rooney about. Andy Rooney. No, I feel like that was good. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's pretty good. I don't really have super strong opinions on it yet. So, well, that's also the I'm thing sure I will eventually. I just said all of that stuff, but it's also such a. It's like we. This thing has existed for next to no time. For like a day, yeah. Who knows what it will actually be? It's just as a crazy new concept to inject in the middle of Steam, which is Steam has sort of been evolving slowly over time, but it's yeah. still generally kept the same basic paradigms they've sort of they've swapped some stuff in and out but now it feels like it just went from like this is the content now it's aware to just like <laughs> yeah it's alive yeah. it and, is Skynet. and just yeah. the potential implications of that in all the different directions are are really interesting and obviously there's nothing to do other than to sort of bellyache about it or postulate about <laughs> it on a podcast and wait uh, and at the end of the day it will probably not be super relevant to anything because everyone's going to switch to gog galaxy <laughs> Maybe. They could. God, that reminds me. I wonder if the website Gamersgate, which is another oh, like, online yeah. game download store, I wonder if they... That is a like, real thing. We have curation, too. <laughs> no, oh, I wonder no. if they perceived any like change in traffic patterns over the last month because oh, of I'm Gamergate. Sure. Oh, they shit. They would have had to. Yeah, right? I'm sure. What I is mean... this Gamersgate bullshit? I heard this is full of idiots being <laughs> shitty. <laughs> Like, no. I, the poor not. guy with the storefront is just like we we sell games, we sell games. Like, but then maybe they're like, wait, we sell games for gamers. We sell games for gamers. <laughs> gamers game. Come gamers here for video for games game. only. Games. <laughs> that's a wow. True games. That's just one of their yeah. The, that website is just now just <laughs> fucking arrays of guns and shitty bikini girls with trucks holding video game boxes just like rotating skulls everywhere just like fireworks stand is also somehow associated with they're this they're all connected by red MS paint lines yeah. like this oh. game and then this game and then circle that one. Oh man that's, how that's it works. not the angle that I was going with, but I like that as well. well. That's just that's the. If that's you just go, how it works. So that's they, navigation. They didn't remove you know? any ex, any of their existing inventory. It's just that if you go to the page that sells like Gone Home or whatever, it's just red lines connecting everything <laughs> and circles drawn around it to make sure that you've you're fully aware of what Naturally. you're about to purchase. It wants to make sure that you follow the money before you spend your money. Exactly. For, okay. It's a true gamer's service. Yeah. I yeah. thought you meant that they were just going to be cheeky about it, where it's like, these prices are so low, it must be a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> the Gamers Gate Gamergate sale. Um, oh my god. I mean, if they were smart. Follow the money right back into your wallet. <laughs> Up to 20% off these new hits. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, good. Yep. Yep, that would be a good sale. Good. Speaking God, of crazy, sorry, just <laughs> it's heard... not about women; it's about low prices. <laughs> <laughs> I heard wow. you played a game that people keep asking you to play, Danielle. Yeah, I did. I played a lot of it. Sonic the I was Hedgehog gonna, I was 3. gonna give you a, a segue. There was totally a segue. Oh, from but what? I can, from what? I can well, do, do it a now. different Pretend... one. So I played three games actually. Three three games of, of note of interest. Wait, what's the connective tissue? The connective tissue was going to be the low prices, and I was going to say I played a game for the low price of free, and it was Donkey Kong Doom. It was what? really oh awesome. man, Donkey Kong Doom. It was really what? great. Oh man, do you not know about Donkey Kong no. Doom? Uh-huh. Donkey Kong Doom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a Doom mod that uses okay. all of the old sprites from the Donkey Kong Country games. All Good. three of the games. <laughs> It's incredible. It's really good. The controls could use some work. It it looks like it plays like a piece of shit. Yeah. 
But it also it's, in, it's a work in progress. <laughs> it's, Go on, yeah. I was so excited because I saw your article about it on Polygon. Yeah. Um, why am I describing it for you? I, I was I'm so excited you were about excited. it. I'm excited. On this I wanted episode, to let you be excited. No, it's good. It's a it, really good. Like thing. you said, it uses all the Donkey Kong sprites, and it's I guess doing sprite animations at really high frame rates. So like it looks nice yeah, and like that. Yeah, it's pretty smooth. But all of the levels are side scrolling, but they're made out of Doom geometry. Like they're so side scrolling. It's, yeah. it's Donkey. Kong. It plays like Donkey Kong Country oh, for I the Super it Nintendo. Played like Doom, but with no. Donkey Kong. No, it's built in the Doom engine. Someone basically made. What? A yep. total, it's a total conversion of Doom it really is. that plays like Donkey Kong Country because it uses the SNES sprites, <laughs> but then as the camera pans, like in a 2D game, there's actual like 3D stuff what? like um, like fucking Beautiful Joe or something like that. Basically, yeah. I mean, it, it like way back in like 2009 when I started playing with Unity, I started making 2D games using weird, insane... Things like that, where, like, a sprite would basically be, like, a, a polygon that had eight sides, and it would flip to whatever side for, like, whatever frame of the walk animation was. I don't know how this person did it, but it, it reminded me of that, of, like, you know, just using weird tricks that make no sense to make something that was never meant to be made right, in this right. engine. But it was it's really fun, and the part that's so exciting... So I'm, like, a huge fan of the Donkey Kong Country games. Like, when I was young, I was 10 to 12 when they came out, so I was kind of, like, the perfect age to be, like, a young child you playing the these exact games. ESRB bracket for I, Donkey Kong I, I Country? I really was. And, like, I remember, I just have very fond memories of my childhood, like, playing oh God, these I'm games, playing them for this. years. This is so weird. I'm sorry, continue. No, it's yeah, so it's good, cool. though, right? It's, it's really so good. good that it's a Doom mod. Yeah. It's a Doom mod. With, like, the, the gross wipe-down screen. I know! Effects. Every level lets have the blood wipe. Oh. <laughs> But it's Donkey Kong. It's so good. It's really, really good. And like, so there's 10 levels in it. And there are boss fights and everything. When you were like 10 or 11, you were really into Donkey Kong. Oh, yeah. I was really just, I just have a lot of very, very happy memories. You know, I still will listen to those soundtracks sometimes while I'm writing or something. (laughs) Like, it's just, they're really, I think they're very good games that that time has not remembered entirely fondly. I thought they had really good level design. I've gone back to the games and been like, no, this isn't Mario. I remember the sound effect when you jump on a guy and it goes, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. They're like, it's goofy and fun, but it also had this like really pretty aesthetic that wasn't just because it was pre rendered graphics. It also had just, I don't know, there was like a nice feeling of like it. It might have had to do with the fact that Rare was in the middle of like nowhere in the woods, but there was this sort of like there's a like good color appreciation for nature yeah. or something, you know. And the music is wonderful, and the level design was really fun. So this person, and I don't remember their name, so I apologize, but this person, it's like Hero Doom or something. Uh, they just basically made a new Donkey Kong Country game. There's ten levels, and they all mix oh, so sprites from the different games. Levels from the existing ones. It's all new, so which is great and exciting. Which means you know it's like a new Donkey Kong Country experience as you play it. But and in the it's, Doom Engine. In the Doom engine, right. It took me a while to actually figure out sort of how to configure the controls because, um, you know, going forward and going backward are not going forward and going backward in 2D space. So I was like, what the hell is going on? And then I like thought about it and I was like, oh, this is in the Doom engine, right? I need to, you know, map things accordingly. And I think I once I figured out that it was like strafe left and strafe right, then I got it working. Um, It's just really fun. The controls kind of suck, which is kind of the only... You know, it's got to be pretty it. hard to have well-tuned Donkey Kong yeah. Country platforming yeah. controls. I'm watching this and it just looks bonkers. I can't figure out why it exists. Yeah, it's it's 
kind of great. Do you know as the guy stated why he made this? Why make this in no, Doom? I don't. I honestly don't know. He just put it up on the GZ Doom forums and was just like, uh-huh. "Here it is." This is the kind of thing that reminds me of what <coughs> hobbyist development was like before the internet was just totally ubiquitous because you just used whatever you had. Like, right, like, like, why, JP, point- like JP Leberton got started in game development, so to speak, like when he was much, much, much younger by making stuff in the Doom engine also. Like that's, that's awesome. That yeah. was his, look, like, he was, you know, like in high school or whatever, like whatever, like pre, you know, before, I mean, the internet was around, but it was before just everyone was on the web all the time. Um, totally. And, and he was on like BBSs, I think, and stuff. Um, and it was just because it's what he had around and like what he was, what he knew and sort of a game that he was excited about. Um, and so, whereas this, it's such, it's such an anachronism to see because this it's almost feels like an like, academic exercise. Yeah. Really this feels is, yeah. like the kind of thing you make when you're like 12 or 13 and you would just have a copy of Doom because right, your uncle is, gave it to you or whatever. Right. And you're like, at but, a level. I love, but I love Donkey Kong. The complexity involved in making this oh, is huge, though. It's, yeah. it's really impressive. And, and oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, it's just like at this point, why would you not use Unity or Game Maker right. or a million things? But and the answer the is answer's... because you can make it in Doom. Like that's it, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's probably the still answer, the same answer. It's probably the complexity side, but that's probably because this person did start. I bet I don't know anything about it. I would yep. wager there's a decent likelihood that this person actually started making stuff in the Doom engine in the circumstances I'm talking about. Sure. And at this point, it's just been like 10 or 15 years or whatever, and they just never had any particular reason to use something else I would believe that. ever. I sus- I so now they yeah. are able to do these crazily ambitious things. In, in the just this, this aspect of the Doom scene is probably also very similar to the Adventure Game Studio scene. Yeah, like, I was there are people well. who came up using AGS forever to make just like LucasArts and Sierra games, but then like... Uh, Dave Gilbert of Wajedi Games made that game Puzzle Bots that is like oh, yeah. you're controlling little robots that have different powers to solve puzzles and it's not an entirely lock and key game but it was made in AGS or like the most goddamn extreme version of that is Cart Life was yeah. made in AGS. Oh yeah, for sure. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And like that I don't think that Richard Hoffmeyer was a big AGS guy. I think that's just the engine that it let him build that thing on. Quickly. Yeah. Um, but like that is that seems like that is just an example of oh this is the tool that I have it seems like it'll kind of do what I want yep. I can get enough inroads into it that I can it's a start seeing I can what figure I want. it out that, yeah um uh uh like Tom Francis you know who made Gunpoint that game was hugely successful he now has the resources to like work in whatever he wants he's been doing some Unity stuff but he frequently talks about how he just feels so much more comfortable in Game Maker yeah, that's right. because it's just what he does uh you know he. He had this whole experience of learning how to make a game from scratch, knowing nothing about making games. He started from scratch in Game Maker. So, of course, after going through that, like, trial by fire, you know, that's just what he knows. It's the same yeah. also with Vlambeer. They make everything in Game Maker, as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm. At, least they cool. start, at least they start yeah. with it. And then sometimes they'll collaborate with someone else who then... Because they've done, like, Flash stuff as well a little bit. Oh, really? Ridiculous Fishing and Loop oh, Browsers both started off as Flash, didn't they? Or the game, they're playing Browser. Oh, or not ridiculous fishing, but the one that had a different name. Oh, something yeah, else right, fishing. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Like awesome fishing or something. Was, I can't yeah, remember. What it was called, but yeah. Yeah. But um but but I think generally when that happens it was through co-development with someone else. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that. Mm-hmm. But I think they all the stuff that they start with or do themselves, they do in Game Maker. I could be wrong. I remember seeing a thing though from Rami Ismail, who's one of the two Vlambeer guys, saying, like, we're just really comfortable in Game Maker at this point. So yep. this is what we know and we do. It's a fun game. You should seriously 
Think do, about it so if you're interested. Did you beat Donkey it? Kong? Doom. No, I haven't beat it yet. Um, <laughs> I'm only like four levels in ish. I mean, like I said, the controls are pretty rough, but it's just fun as like an experience to play like an old SNES Donkey Kong game again. Yeah, but a really weird one. Really weird one. And also, what's crazy about it, as, you know, somebody who has, like, every sprite from those games, like, in their brain, the mix from, like, this is from 3, and this is from the ice levels in (laughs) 2, and this is from the snow levels in 3, and this one's from... Like, I'm actually doing that as I'm playing the game, and it's kind of like, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, I go back to my 10-year-old self, like, knowing where every single asset is from and everything. I watched the video on the Polygon. When you complete a level, does it just go to the map of hell? Um, it does, doesn't. It, does it have its own like map? There's like a frame or two of the like, rrr, rrr, the like blood. It does the melt. Okay, thing. I, thought, I thought that it cut to the Mars base when it, when you're um, going from one level to the next. It probably doesn't, but it probably should. I don't think so. <laughs> it, it's a map from one of the games. It's like one of the overworld maps, oh, but, so, but it's rearranged. Oh, from so Don- that oh, it's from it's from actual Donkey Kong. Yeah, Tom it's map. from one of those games. Although there are Doom elements. If you watch through the entire video, there's like, like, oh God, what is his name? The like spherical monster thing. Cacodemon? Oh, no, I thought yeah. Cacodemon was the eyeball. Yeah, I like, think you're right. The red sort of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that is what it is. It's been a while since I actually played yeah. Doom. Um, but, like, little things from Doom do show up. A little... Like, here and there. But 99% of it is just all Donkey Kong So the, the game isn't secretly about how the world starts sort of rending itself in two and Donkey Kong ends up <laughs> opening a portal to hell and then he's fucking fighting Cacodemons. I mean, I don't want to, like, spoil anything. You know? That'd be really good. That would be the true <laughs> Donkeyless Rift, in fact. Donkeyless <laughs> Rift! Oh, my God. Yeah. That could be real. That's going to be Donkey Kong Doom 2, Hell on Earth. <laughs> I really want to They've see the... they opened the, the Donkeyless Rift. <laughs> Donkey Kong, you must enter the Donkeyless Rift. You must close the Donkeyless Rift forever. It's just He's got to close it from the inside, though. <laughs> Fucking <true>. poignant. <laughs> oh, no. He waves. A single tear rolls down well, his furry Diddy Kong's cheek. on the other Diddy side. Diddy Kong is on the other side. No, they do the little Star Trek 2, like... The hand right, the hand. Thing. <laughs> but then when the rift closes, Diddy Kong sees that he's been slipped Donkey Kong's tie. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh my god, I'm actually getting a little emotional thinking about this. Uh, a true Donkey Kong Country true, fan. True fan, right here. True fan. Yeah, then Cranky Kong probably shows up and fucking farts or something. Yeah, and ruins most it. likely. Or one of those shitty Kongs. There's a sh- there's so many shitty Kongs. So the Don- Donkey Kong Country family is like the like Sonic the Hedgehog family at this kind point, where of. it's just a bunch of fucking Kongs. Although in the most recent one, the one that came out this year, which was really good, by the way, Tropical Freeze, the, mm. the Wii U, the yeah, Retro yeah. Studios, those games are actually really good. They're hard, and they're good. They're well-designed. Um, it was only good characters in that one, so I was, I was pretty happy. Like, Cranky's in it, but he has, like, a pogo stick move, like the DuckTales Scrooge mm. dude. And Dixie Kong was in it, and she has the awesome hair thing. So, mm. you know, cool. Donkey Kong Doom. Donkey Kong. Donkey I like Kong that Doom. you said good characters only, which is the kind of thing that like true a ki- fan a kid says when they have just fully I internalized. You, I, I go back their to own, the 90s. like opinions on this, and it would never occur to them that anyone else might have a different opinion of like what the good <laughs> right. characters are. This game's the best because only the good characters <laughs> only are, the good are, in ones it. are in it. Except like a little kid with a Rhode Island accent saying that. So this this one's really good because only the good characters are in it. You know, there's none of the shitty Kongs. Wow, salty language for. I was Danielle. I was like that when I was ten. <laughs> Not gonna lie, ten to twelve. You know, yeah. there's a little span there. Anyway, that that was really fun. I'm just gonna like 
sneak out here and ask, did either of you guys get a chance to play Smash Brothers 3DS? Yes, that's my third game. Yes. We're jumping to that, then, because okay, let's jump. I didn't get to play it, So, but which makes me mad, but... uh. Wait, what do you need to get to? Oh, at PAX? No, there was a, there were beta keys going around, and, oh. and I was given one, and then I gave it to someone else because I figured I'd never get a chance to play it, and then I just started kicking myself forever. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun. <sighs> it's very noble. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. You did a nice thing for whoever uh, you gave it to. Um, I don't know. It's fun. Like, it's, you know, it's uh, Smash Brothers on 3DS. I think it's actually only called Super Smash Brothers. Both versions are just both, called Super yeah, Smash Brothers now. That's right. Um. There are a lot of characters. There's a lot of new arenas. So there's a lot of so stuff. There's no notable thing though that makes it different from main Smash Brothers. Really, it's just it, it's just Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I heard it had a campaign mode in it or something. There is. I mean, that's but the like, campaign is, mode was in. Uh, it was in melee. Too. It was in melee. It's yeah, fine. Um, which I actually really like that stuff because I just sort of like messing around with goofy mm-hmm. sort of Nintendo remix. Yeah. You know, all every franchise is kind of just thrown in a blender and. You can kind of have fun with it. I've played, like, you know, um, God, a few matches in the campaign, you know, sort of the mini games and everything, and a few of the, like, main, you know, you're fighting other people and this is what's going on. And then you start getting challengers, you know, it's the secret yeah. characters come in, you have to fight them. It's almost like a little mini boss character. Yeah. It's just, so it's. It's Smash. I have not been following you know? it at all, and I didn't know if there was anything about it that was different or if it's just Smash Brothers. It's pretty much just, yeah. But it's really, it's a really good and polished, it, it's kind of like Mario Kart 8, like it's just Mario Kart, but it's polished and a right. lot of fun, and you'll probably have fun with it if you, you know. If this was like original DS era, I would be losing my fucking shit <laughs> over a Smash Brothers game on that, because I played a lot of DS multiplayer then, I just yeah, don't, I just don't anymore, I kind of, yeah, sure. Yeah. I have some friends who have DSs, but I don't really like socialize in an environment where I play on a DS in that way, like I usually just, if I ever play it, I play it like before going to bed. Yeah, totally. Um... Which is what I've been doing with Smash, which is pretty yeah. Dumb, I just but. I can't see myself doing that with Smash Brothers for that, but I'm it's not very relaxing. I'm holding out for the Wii U version, I guess. I mean, that'll be pretty awesome too. I, know. I think I'm having a lot of fun with it though. Like even though I'm playing it, it's probably not the right time to be playing it. You know, when I'm in bed and just sort of I've been a little sick lately, so I've just been kind of like, yeah, all right, kind of vegging out and playing Smash a little bit. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. It's Smash, but it's really really fun. It's still really compelling. I used that word. Sorry, that's like a forbidden word at Polygon. It's compelling. Compelling. Experience. Oh, yeah. Sorry. How dare Sorry. you? Uh, it compels you. It compels me. You know. I also played Suddenly wait, 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 C. Let's take a break. Okay, let's what? take a break. Break. I mean, take a break when we come back. I said break. Oh, I said break. Here we are on the break. <laughs> Video game. This episode is brought to you by Nestle. <laughs> we're horrible. Everything we do is horrible, but somehow we're huge and worth all of the money on Earth. <laughs> anyway, water isn't a human right. Thank you. Nestle.com slash thumbs for 10% off water. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Doom Hero. Not Doom Hero. Sorry. <laughs> what is that water like? Dude, the fucking CEO of Nestle is like, why is water a human right? What? Why isn't that a thing that Nestle can just fucking own and sell to Africans? Oh my fucking god. <laughs> wow. It's not literally what he said, but it basically, basically is. Basically, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's real. That Nestle is the exact company you'd expect that to be the fucking thing out of, though, too. Where they're like, we'll sell you 
coffee and weird cocoa chocolate stuff and dietary weird cocoa chocolate stuff and AIDS medication. And unfortunately, all of those things require water, which we can't sell you because it's regulated by the government. But we'd much rather just be able to package it up for you. Think about how much easier it would be. Nestle. Not evil. Even slightly. Anyway, we probably also make soap. I bet they do. I'm sure they do. Or something. Yeah. Suave or something is probably a Nestle brand. <laughs> probably also makes suave. <laughs> we make this weird powder for starving suave. people in third world countries, and we make suave men's body wash, <laughs> an essential product for humans. <laughs> All the things you need. Were we actually sponsored by Thanks to NatureBox for sponsoring this episode of Idle Thumbs. NatureBox is a delicious snack subscription service where they'll send you all sorts of just good-to-eat snacks to your house, I think, monthly? Monthly. Um, If you're interested in NatureBox, you can actually get a free sample box where you can pick out, uh, I think, one of the snacks on their humongous list of snacks, plus they'll send you some small-size samples of other things for free. If you go to naturebox.com... minor shipping charge, but it's like two bucks. Yeah, naturebox.com slash thumbs. Get a sample box of a bunch of snacks, including like one full-size snack of your choice for just two bucks shipping. You can get those pineapple slices. Eat them. You eat them. You love them. Pea wasabis. <laughs> wasabi peas? Pea wasabi. wasabis. <laughs> <laughs> wasabi peas. Whatever. Um, they've sent us a bunch of boxes of snacks. They're really good. We can't stop eating them. Naturebox.com slash thumbs. Yep. Also, thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode. Square- thanks, Squarespace. Oh, th- thanks, Chris, for thanking Squarespace. Anytime. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. And we have another Idle Thumbs reader who has created a uh, Squarespace website using the offer code... Thumbs? Thumbs. At checkout? Yes. Okay. Uh, this is ryancconnelly.com. That's Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y. Uh, Ryan is a tenor. He is a graduate of the Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music. And on this excellent Squarespace site, you can see everywhere he is performing around the country in the 2014 to 15 season. Um, I thought that was a cool thing that was like a little off the beaten path for what oh, that's most awesome. thumb yeah, readers cool. have done on Squarespace. Yeah, so this is pretty cool. But yeah, Squarespace is a great service. Their templates all look really good. It is fast as fuck to make a website that just looks professional it works well on mobile mobile yep. it's they've got support for stores blogs portfolios like you could put a bunch of there's encoders for dropping media yeah, in this guy has like samples from uh, opera, opera productions he's been in it's really good so for a free trial and 10 percent off visit squarespace.com enter the uh, offer code thumbs your trial also does not require credit cards you can just get going and make yep. a thing before you have to enter any real like financial information it's pretty cool anyway thanks squarespace thanks squarespace thanks you're welcome (laughs) you're welcome squarespace chain smokes (laughs) 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 got your blog time i got your back (laughs) oh it's got your back and your and your your blog your blogs your rich media embedding (laughs) your media encoder (laughs) what you need your media for you're just starting to sound like the sad version of Marty McFly's mom. <laughs> <laughs> On the 42nd floor. Uh, gotta go up is. the stairs. In Back to the Future 2. It's pretty sad. 
it's a little sad. Back to the Future is one of those things where I just have to kind of pretend like I've seen it most of the time. Because it's not worth, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if someone makes a Back to the Future joke. You're like, ha, 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 it's good not, one. Yeah. Mayor. Like, it's just not. Jake says mayor from from mayor. Back to the Future. Like I have not said that in years. Yeah, but you used to say it, like, daily. It's because I used to work in an office with Doug, and we always said it. First. Okay, it wasn't okay, I justified. It doesn't justify but yeah, anything. It's one of those references where it's it's much easier for me most of the time to just be like, ha, ha, yeah. Because if I'm, yeah. I don't get it. Like, then I'm just an asshole. If you're like, or if you're just, I haven't seen that movie. Right. Like, I'll say that on the podcast. Shut it down. Because I'll say it now because then I can turn it into a dumb thing where I can laugh at myself about it. But like, or you can enrage people. Yeah, right. But, like, in an actual moment where I'm just having a conversation with someone, you can't say that. You're so I just pretend that I can know what they mean. You'd probably like it. It's worth seeing. I'm sure I would. I'm not refu- – I haven't refused to see it. But it's a movie that everyone already assumes everyone has seen. So I'm just never in a circumstance – like, it never occurs to me to be like, I should watch Back to the Future now. Yeah. Like, I, I just never, I would never think of that. I can loan you the Blu-rays. Oh, Aww, I, would, I would watch that. Delightful. I was given them from Universal when we made that Back to the Future game. Oh, nice. Oh, good. <laughs> I would, yeah, if you gave me the Blu-rays, I'd watch them. Because I bet those are the kind of movies that aren't on Netflix for some reason. Because they're, like, valued properties or something. Right. Like, how Jurassic Park probably isn't. I actually remember the details of the uh, Back to the Future ride, which was at Universal Studios Florida. Before it was taken over by the Simpsons oh, ride notable Orlando a couple years area ago. Theme park but I actually remember knowledge. the details of that better than the actual movies. I've seen all the movies when I was like, you know, five, but uh, when I was very young. This I, is pre Donkey Kong for no, me. So, pre Donkey you know, Kong in, in the PDK yeah. era. Yeah. Way back. Anyway, yes. So, Danielle, I want to hear you talk about Sunless Sea because apparently yes. everyone wants to hear you talk about Sunless Sea because I feel like you've been. Uh, just peppered with requests to talk about that game on the forums and on Twitter and in reader mail. So what the hell is Sunless Sea? Yeah, what, what is this game? What is this video game? Sunless Sea is a is a, a delightful game. And it, it, you know, I would say, I know there's probably a term for this, and I just don't know what it is, but it's basically the sort of game where you are, you're controlling a ship, but when you're on land, it's sort of... It's almost like the yog or something. Like you're actually sort oh, of cool. clicking on things and you're getting oh, stat notice. boosts and things like that. And you're getting story content, but it's not happening in real time, so to speak. It's like happening actually... whenever you take your turn. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, I don't know what the turn for that is. The stuff when you're on land is also, it's more like UI, like menu based. It's all UI. Yeah, exactly. It's all menu based. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a word for it, but I just don't know it. Or there should be a word for this. That's also a classic like PC game style. It it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like doesn't Sid Meier's pirates kind of do that no it doesn't god what game i now i don't know what game i'm thinking of brendan chung's game flotilla kind of does flotilla that does. Maybe, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Like, when you're in space you're just kind of you like click to go to the next node in space and then you get like yeah. a choice and you could do it and something happens um but then there's battle and then when you're in the, the combat it's sort of right. Yeah. yeah right and the com- there's combat in this game as well mm-hmm. uh which is totally different it's a different system so I mean, you're, I guess you're primarily. I already want to play this game. You have It's really good. Once you were like your ship, but then there are menus when you yeah. dock. It's you like, oh shit! Expressed a single yeah. opinion about it, and I'm all <laughs> like, I downloaded it on Steam last okay. night, good. optimistically being like, I'll play this before the podcast. Uh, yeah. Um, but it's on my computer now. Okay. So and so now you're ready. I'm already primed. Yeah. Unless you the next. And then you you're know, like, but it's bad. Exactly. Or, and the it's next bad. Four words out of your mouth are like, this game is dog shit. I'm really enjoying it, actually. Yes. So, <laughs> those are the other four words you could say. Is that, dog shit yeah. a compound word? I, I oh. think of it as one. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of do too. Okay. Because you say it so quickly. I think you could say it either way. Dog but shit. Dog. Goddamn shit. dog shit. Dog Two shit. words. It, it four feels... words. Goddamn dog shit. Yeah, you're right. Then you it could just, go either then way it just with sounds that. like word association when you think of it that way. Yeah. 
Okay. You said four words, then you said this game is dog shit. So I imagine that you they were compounding dog shit, or yeah, this I, game is dog I shit. I was, but then but then I imagined goddamn dog shit as four words, and it's, but, dog but, but and it, it feels like nobody really says abstract. it that way. You know, that just feels very much like I don't know. Somebody with a really flat tone might say it that way, but mm-hmm. I would never say it that right. way. Goddamn yeah. dog shit. Like a know? like someone reading a court transcript. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Only boring people. Not one of the good ones. That's not the good way to say it. <laughs> Goddamn dog shit. Maybe. <laughs> What's that Maybe. Snapping? Oh, that was my beat poetry. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> anyway. Sunless Sea. So there's this game called Sunless Sea. Is it The Sunless Sea or is it Sunless Sea? You know, I'm not positive. I think it is just Sunless Sea. Maybe, yeah. Mm. You don't like it? I kind of like that. It's fine. I'll take it. it. I mean, the premise is pretty cool. It is sort of like a okay. It, it it's a little bit steampunk, you know. There's some tropes in there that aren't necessarily mm. the coolest thing in the world, mm. but it takes place in a world where London sunk through the ocean, and and somehow everything is is like there's no more sun naturally. Uh, everything's in the dark naturally, uh, and so the world has changed in in sort of weird sea. ways. And you're all at sea, and you you play a Z captain instead of C captain. There are some things that are like, okay, it's a little. Well, you they know. have a really nice mobile version of their website. Nice. It makes me confident to buy a product from them. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely some like kind of dorky tropes that aren't my favorite thing, like the spelling of Z instead of C. Yeah, like, like not, in the in the great. game, it's like okay, yeah. you know. So. When you, when you sail around, is that just yes. on a map, or is it actually like real time? You're controlling a ship. It's real time. You're controlling the ship. You're, okay. you're actually using WASD, but you're you're sort of you're steering with um God A S and D, and you're going forward WASD. with W. <laughs> yep. Sorry, I'm like mentally mapping this in my head. Do you think anyone's ever written a children's song to teach them WASD? W A S D S and D. I wish someone would. Donkey Kong. I wish someone would, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) One of the good ones. Yeah. (laughs) Combat is turn-based. Well, it's actually, well, okay. Sort of a hybrid of turn-based and and real-time. It's happening in real-time, but you sort of, you always have an assortment of moves that you can use. And they all have like a a warm-up period, basically. Okay. As opposed to a cooldown, it's a warm-up until the attack goes to your enemy they have the same system sort of coming at you. So it's it's simple, but, you know, there's an allowance for a certain amount of depth with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like it. I like the combat. Uh, the game is pretty challenging. I've died like eight times already. You know, I've shipwrecked pretty much always in combat. You can run out of supplies. You can run out of food. You can run out of money. All of these things. Is there is there like on. a fixed? Is there like a campaign, a story, or is it just sort of like a survival situation? You kind of choose your objective. You can you can start Whoa. out as as a, a captain who their background is a street urchin or a poet or you know there's a whole bunch of sort of backstories and then you can choose what your ambition in life is. It can be to have the most adventures, to be able to tell the most story, or to have the most money. There's several sort of circumstances is what the game calls them that are that are basically your your end goals like you can you can choose that um and there's quite a bit of variety i was able to play as a lady who likes other ladies which i enjoyed like you can have you can find romance in some of the towns and things like that Mm -hmm. i was like oh that's cool i can be you can be a non-binary person or a non-gender specified person oh yeah i thought you could say you can be a nun no no fucking maybe you can be a defrocked priest i believe wow but not a nun. I don't. Can think you nuns can are... you sort of 
indicate why your character was defrocked? I'm actually not sure because I've not played that, that scenario yet. I've, I really scenario. like being a sea urchin. And obviously they all come with their own stat boost. Like you'll be sure. easier. It, you can hide more easily if you're a street urchin and you can have you have more ability with the natural sciences if you were, you know, a, a natural philosopher, things like yeah. that. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's a game of stats, uh, but it's in a really pretty wrapper and the story content is really fun. So cool. I'm really having a lot of fun with it. Sounds awesome. Yeah. And that's Sunless Sea. Nice. I'll probably keep playing it. I've only played, um, oh, I don't know, four or five hours ish of it. Okay. But I feel yeah, like I have. Yeah. I've had a gives you, know, you an idea. Yeah. What is the Good dumbest taste? or weirdest or best thing that has happened inside of Sunless Sea? Um, I was transporting a bunch of zombie people to <laughs> a, a zombie town. It's not a zombie town. I, I don't like know a, exactly. Is this like a, what the a, hell like a, a steampunk leper analogy? Like a what? A little bit. Yeah. There are people who are undead, but they they want to die, so they want to be taken to a place where they can fully die okay and one of them woke up and ate an entire cheese wheel on my ship <laughs> okay good. is that because of what happened in the story or does that like what does that mean apparently like there's some stat like there's some percentage chance that they could wake up and eat one of your supplies or do something with one of your crew members and so or just something random, like that so someone just randomly woke up and it ate a cheese wheel, a cheese oh, wheel. That's yes. yeah that's fine that's what i like <laughs> it's that kind of game you know okay, random good. shit yeah. happens all the time and yeah good yeah I definitely, I would highly recommend it for, sounds, for those sounds good. who enjoy a goofy adventure. Sounds like we'll tick that off on the old Steam curation Ooh. list. I think that's I mean, a yeah, good idea. Are you listening, developers of Sunless Sea? <laughs> I mean, that's what it's called, yeah? Yes. Oh, by the way, I found out that person's name who made the Donkey Kong Doom, just mm-hmm. so I can properly attribute them. It's Doom Marrow. Mm. That's their Do- Doom Marrow. Doom is like, that a John Romero reference? I think it is. Nice. D o o m e r o. Yes. Okay, so it's not like Doom Marrow, like Bone Marrow. No, no, no. It's like Doom, Doom Marrow, Marrow, like John Romero. Sadly, I thought of John Romero before I thought of Bone Marrow. I mean, I think that's Sadly? the idea. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the idea. Maybe it's Doom Marrow, like Brenda Romero. I mean, it could be, <laughs> although she was not Brenda Romero at the time Doom was made. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, it could be. I mean, also, Donkey Kong Country. <laughs> also, good point. Also, well, Donkey she, Kong. Uh, Brenda Romero made Donkey Kong Country. A little known oh, fact. true, true. Good yes. I mean, she was really the one behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, behind every good ape. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yep. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Are you calling John Romero or Donkey Kong Country? Uh, I was gonna. I, I was ape. gonna be calling Donkey Kong Country the ape there, or Donkey Kong the ape. Oh, yeah. Gang beasts. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, please talk about this other game. <laughs> gang beasts. <laughs> Jake and I played Gang Beasts, which is a game. It's a game. It's a fighting. It's sort of a very physics-driven. I guess you'd call it a fighting game, right? It's a fighting game. It's like Pretty a much. brawler it's a kind brawler. of. It's like a weird. Like a wrestling move yeah. simulator. <laughs> it's a, it's sort of a, it's a three D game, with but that is played between with between two and eight people. You could just choose how many people are going to be in it. Um, we just want, we only had two controllers, so we just did it with the two of us. It it feels very much like it's coming out of the sort of modern indie renaissance of same screen versus multiplayer stuff. But except it's totally that it's three D and the, physics and fucking nuts. Right. So unlike all those games, it's. All, I mean, all those games, which include things like um, uh, Nidhogg and um, Samurai Gun 
and stuff like that. Tower falls. Tower fall. Most of them are super precise. You know, like things come down to these incredibly like narrow margins. Um, and then also there are the works of Bennett Foddy who made uh, pole riders and quap and things like that. And this game feels <laughs> like much closer to a 3D version of a Bennett Foddy game where it feels like if Bennett Foddy was drunk. <laughs> what? Or the controls at least kind of feel His like games that. already feel like that. Well, Quap does anyway. Pole Riders feels like it has a secret amount of precision to it. Like there's a I mean Gang that's Beast, true. Gang Beast that's true. could Pole have Riders this. you can play. Yeah, that's like, true. it's hard to know like cuz we we played well, Gang 3D Beast. games inherently are, are, are less precise floppier. like this. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, this game okay, so a game I have actually brought up I don't know, I would say a couple times in the last several months of thumbs for various reasons is Minotaur China Shop, yeah. a game we first talked about years ago on this podcast, where you control this big hulking minotaur, you know, around a China shop, of course, and it's also very physics-driven. And so you use the analog stick or WASD to move around, but, you know, it's affected by this momentum that your body carries. And, like, everything you do is not about very precise keyframe animation. It's about kind of physics impulse impulses driving your limbs and that's what gang beasts feels mm. like you know everything feels very mushy because you're uh, you're like two degrees away from the thing you're trying to do because what you're trying to do is like grab this guy but then the thing you're pressing is just kind of like arm blah goes out and grab <laughs> and so oh crap i accidentally grabbed the door because that's what i was next to yeah. then the guy grabbed me and then he pulled me but now i'm like half grabbing him holding the door and holding the door sometimes in, when this game is at its best, though, is when things like the door just swings open, and then that right. causes you, go fly. you to fly yeah. off that, and then accidentally get the upper hand and hurl the other guy off a cliff. Right. Yeah. And you don't quite know how that happened. So, like Smash Brothers, the goal of the game is to hurl other players out of the kind of playable area, and if you do that, they will lose a life. Uh, and if you're with two, so with two players, that that just means if they fall off and you don't, you win the round. But with more than two players, it means whoever is the last one standing in that round wins the, you know, the implication from the menu is that there will be additional modes, right? Yeah. But you can't, there's nothing other than elimination that we could get. It's an early access game. Um, so it, it feels reasonably early, but actually the thing that you were mentioning about Minotaur China shop, that's actually the, that entire family of stuff, all of those games that were on Blurst, was that Flashbang mm-hmm. Studios that made oh, that? Oh, God. Because yeah. they made uh, Off-Road Velociraptor Safari, and they made Time Donkey, and, right. and Minotaur China Shop. This game, if you played any of those games, this game feels entirely at home in that <laughs> realm of sort of weirdly physics-based, just insane stuff, but it's entirely about multiplayer brawling. Right. It, it, I keep thinking about Octodad in this as well. It also like, has some Octodad going on because of the weird okay. sort of physics limb yeah. stuff, like the weird... Latching on to things. Weird IK latch-on stuff, yeah. <laughs> Looks pretty fun. It's it's cool and wacky. It's This is a case where I have trouble kind of giving it an unqualified recommendation because... It's expensive for for the like degree yep. of finished mm-hmm. that it feels like to me. Like I know um, the Alamo Draft House did has the Fantastic Fest festival in Austin that uh, where it's like a film festival and there's an arcade component. And I know Gang Beasts was in Fantastic Fest this last weekend, okay. and apparently it just was like people just lost their mind for it. But that's because I'm sure that's the perfect situation for it, where you can yeah. have 
a bar with a big screen TV. You can have eight controllers. You can have a bunch of half drunken people just stumbling <laughs> over each other to throw weird sort of clay clay man looking guys off cliffs and into fire and meat grinders. Man, the fucking the meat, meat grinders. Grinder. Grinder level part so of this good. Thing, though. Like, yeah. Also, when I just described that, it sounds like like a Binding of Isaac Super Meat Boy thing or something. The aesthetic of this game is incredibly clean. Yeah. Like... The characters like are all, they look like people yeah. in costumes or something, but it's all, yeah, it's all like untextured, flat color, very simple shapes. Um, kind of pastel colors, too. Yeah, like it's, it's all sort of like just, it's a very colorful game. Like it's not, it's not trying to be grim or gross, but that means when there's a, a moment of that, just like there's a level where you're in a subway station and it's a perfectly flat shaded, like it looks like a mirror's edge test level, but you can throw a guy onto a tracks and then a subway goes by and they, there's no blood or anything. They just go, they're just off the screen. Yeah. But yeah, the most notable one of these was a level that it had these grinders because um, they look like a thing that you'd go in and just go and they're gone. But what actually happens is your character slowly <laughs> through physics gets pulled into it and you yeah. kind of jump out and escape. Yeah. But if you sort of get rolled in and accidentally go limp, you just sort of... Like over twenty yeah. seconds, just get like or like ten seconds, five right. seconds. Yeah, and the great thing about that is it means so most of the time, if you and if so, you can you grab the other player, and if you can kind of manage to finagle them over the edge, what you want to do is drop them off and then not also hurl yourself off because then you'll both lose a life. Um, this is and, a problem in Smash Brothers if you play as Donkey Kong, for instance. Yes, right, yeah. Yes. Fucking, but the, the DK sacrifice move also right. comes into play here. Uh, of, of holding someone well, and jumping off to your death. It doesn't... It, well, if you're one it does life if up you're, on them and you want to end up, the round. Yeah, if you're oh, up, yeah, yeah that, that totally works. Um, but in the, in in the, the meat, meat grinder, grinder level, it's great because it's this it's this kind of horrifyingly slow process <laughs> to get caught by the meat grinder. So if you can get down there and just kind of push them in, you probably still actually have time to get out before you actually get sucked into the meat grinder. And so it leads to this crazy situations <laughs> where you both fall in and it's like, oh, fuck, we could both be fucked or one of us could be totally screwed. Or like, or we're both fine. Or, or we're both or, fine. Or, yeah. or. Um, and that we had, I think, at least two sort of in-meat grinder encounters. Oh, yep. yeah. That are both really kind of just well, I think, it's guaranteed I like, to be hilarious. I feel like weird. we ran the meat grinder gamut of like mm-hmm. we're both holding on to each other and neither one of us is going to let go, so we just both slowly die in the meat grinder <laughs> together. But the ultimate one was, and you somehow threw me head first yes, into it, and I couldn't, face first. I couldn't stand yeah. up by the time my face, and then my face yeah. was consumed, and that was the end. It was, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the the two best levels in it are one inside of a factory where there's just a big incinerator in the middle of it and a conveyor belt dropping boxes in, yeah. and the other factory that has meat grinder in it. Mm-hmm. There was another level that had a propeller in it that seemed that you could float or it would pull yeah, all cool. the world into it, but we couldn't figure out how it worked. Um, it's it's very Smash Brothersy in that regard, though. That levels like there are some very plain levels, there are some levels that have obstacles, and then right. in within the levels that have obstacles. Some of them end up being really compelling and fun, and some of them are kind of annoying. Right. But, yeah. Um, it is tough because it's right now twenty bucks, which is like. It if, feels like if you're going to be in a situation where you frequently have groups of people at your house, yeah, if, this could be a thing to do. But, but like, yeah, I it's hard for me to imagine. Yep. Like I'm never going to play this on my own because it's a, it's a multiplayer game. I could see, uh, yeah, if you run a game night that also has video game components, if you work in an office with a lot of people who play video games, if yeah. you and your friends actually play same screen multiplayer games. But if you're just going to be at home and maybe have a friend over once or twice to play a game, I don't know if it would hold up. Yeah. I mean, it might by the time they add more stuff to it. It's just hard to know right yeah, now. Yeah, like the core of it actually, like, we went, like, our sort of engagement 
wave was a little bit intense where it was sort of like oh this is fine and then we're like oh shit like he gets super into it it's capable of bringing out moments that are completely just like just Mm -hmm. they emerge but then it leveled out a bit once we realized we'd seen every level yeah we're like oh okay yeah but then i mean we still did we get back around to the meat grinder a second time no 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 yeah it's yeah every level had a few like spikes of surprise either from from the level or just from play, but like, yeah, it was not quite clear enough to understand what was happening all the time, and also there's just some flat spots. But it's cool. I don't know. I think in the right circumstance, this game would just would just kill. Um, like, obviously, it's intended to be played with eight players, and only played with two. But anyway, gang beasts. Gang beasts. You guys, want to do some reader mail? I yeah. do the most. It's all that I want. Oh wow! I mean, you know. Reader mail. Mm-hmm. Read a mail. All right. Here is a reader mail. Oh. Brian Gartner says, Japanese gaming. Thumbs. I've fallen way behind on that of thumbs. This is a response to something that was on episode 157 more than three months ago. About an hour into the episode, a reader from C wrote in, wrote asking about, is that the airport code for Seattle? Is that what he means? S-E-A. S-E-A. All caps. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know that it is that, but I don't know. Yeah. I guess that's what he means. About an hour into the episode, a reader from SEA wrote asking about Japanese games and why they aren't often talked about on Idle Thumbs. One of the responses was that Japan doesn't seem to have as much of an indie scene. I'm not aware of tons of indie Japanese games, but one that I think stands out is La Mulana. It was originally created as a free PC game, apparently a labor of love in the style of MSX games. If you haven't heard of La Mulana, the elevator pitch would be something like, it's the Dark Souls of Metroidvania games with a heap of genuine puzzle solving thrown on top. The freeware, the freeware release was enough of a cult hit that a small team was able to remake it with somewhat more modern graphics, and it was released on WiiWare. Finally, the updated version was re-released on PC, which is where I played it. I highly recommend it. You can often find it on GOG, Steam, or Desura at deep discount. It's 80% off on Steam right now. This is no longer current, I'm sure. Um, I think it's well worth the full price of $15. If you try it, make sure to keep a notebook or text editor nearby. And maybe take this advice. Oh, and then he links to a Steam community page with tips for beginners. Spoiler free. Um, nice. I've heard of that game, certainly. Brian Gardner. P.S. Back on the Ruination cast, I mentioned the Sega Genesis game Warrior of Rome 2, which I feel was way ahead of its time. It holds a special place in my heart for being a split-screen, grid-based RTS from 1992. All of your units are, recre- are recruited as identical starting units, but they slowly become more effective at whatever it is you have them do, whether it's building buildings, running quickly across the map, fighting, sailing, etc. It looks a little rough now, but it was amazing at the time. I think it might be fun for people to stream over a weekend. Brian. That's cool. That sounds wacky. Yeah. Yep. Sounds pretty cool. fun. I play a decent number of Japanese games. I just haven't in the last right. however since I've been on the podcast. But this winter I played like four JRPGs in a row. Oh, wow. Any intense. Stand-ups? Bravely Default was pretty good. I think you talked about that on the cast. I may have, yeah. Yeah, I think you did. Yeah. That was, that was good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. That was a standout. Uh, um, um, um... Uh, Delicious Toast writes Hi, Hi Toast. That's a really cool name. Hi, Same. Chris, Jake, Sean, Nick, and Danielle. This is another old male. Delicious group. Toast is, in fact, a Tasty Biscuit uh, competitor. <laughs> <laughs> We're so behind on, on mail. This is, this is also from a August. Tasty Biscuit. I'm thinking of Total Biscuit. Tasty Biscuit. Snappy Gamer. <laughs> Your talk of Zabalba reminded Fuck. me of another Doom-style FPS I played recently, Gun Gods. It's made by Vlambeer, originally for the Venus Patrol Kickstarter, and is now available as a free download. What led me to it at first was their full Venusian soundtrack, i.e. soundtrack from Venus, by Kozilek of Luf Rousers and Maverick Bird fame, <laughs> with rapping done by Dose One, who also did the music for Samurai Gun. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on these recent Doom-style games, especially if you think a full-length game could come out of this sort of thing. 
And if so, what might need to change in the style or formula to keep the game interesting? Thanks for the podcast. Keep up the good work, Arthur. Um, well, clearly, the coolest <laughs> Doom-style game is Donkey Kong Doom. Donkey Kong Country Doom. If um, that person had made Donkey Kong Country Doom inside of the Super Nintendo oh port of Doom, God. it would have run at two frames a second and be bad. That's probably um, true. Well, when you, when you started talking about it, I thought it was the exact opposite thing you were saying. I thought it was, like... A version of Donkey Kong Country that had Doom sprites. I, I see. was really confused. Oh, it's wow. way better than that. Yeah, yeah, it's it is, so much it more fun. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, that would have been an uh, intense experience. <laughs> yes. I mean, Zibulba seemed kind of perfect for what it was. Perfect length for what it was. You know, yes. Yeah. God, I think Although it took I, me maybe two I hours. Could, to I could be wrong, but I get the feeling this reader is asking, could someone make a game of that type and sell it? And, like, come up sure. with a value proposition that makes it worth selling i feel like like, oh sorry no no no, you you i was gonna say the new wolfenstein was almost kind of a bit like that i mean the shooting they must be talking about they must be talking about aesthetically Aesthetically, stuff that's doom like though not just i see yeah not just first person shooters right i would think anyway surely someone could take like i mean i say surely as if it's easy and also as if it would be popular neither of which are true (laughs) but like i know all the stuff that like the jp uh always talked about it that you've talked about that he's talked about about sort of what's appealing about doom as far as movement and projectile style and uh like traversal speed plus just that game's aesthetic plus like basically modern roguelike like stuff it seems like you could potentially go down that route although i guess i mean then you end up sidelining yourself into things like eldritch and delver right both of which are sort of i mean they're not mechanically like doom but they're aesthetically borrowing a lot from those big pixel first person games you saying this actually reminds me of a game that i saw um jeremy mitchell from double fine at reply to jp today called ziggurat which is an early access game on steam that came out about a month ago and it looks like a uh, it's a it's a first person shooter, but it looks very deliberately um, old school in its um, vibe and gameplay. It's a fantasy thing where you have a wand that like shoots out spells, but it shoots out spells effectively at the same rate that you could fire a shotgun or sure. something. And so uh, the character just it's very classic Doom with like floating enemies and projectiles that you can kind of seeing the air as they go and react to and respond right. to and a lot of just like strafe shooting and back up while firing at enemies fighting style nice. fight you know that yeah. that kind of just like very classic um ziggurat yeah it's called ziggurat it's on steam right now um like here is what it looks like let me get you a screenshot it looks like this okay, so yeah. you know just really kind of colorful yep. um lots of kind of particle effects and crazy Things like that. It's it looks like what you would actually look like if something like Hexen were made now. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, Hexen or like Doom it's in or a something like that. And there's yeah, magic. This, exactly. It's the same and sort of a lot yeah, of stonework and like kind of dark environments, but then really With bright, really hilarious lighting and, and effects. Like, yeah, yeah, bright lighting and effects. Um, I'm intrigued now. I, I won't it says this. the description is dungeon crawling, first person shooting at its finest. Fast-paced combat, dozens of perks, spells, and enemies. Level ups, random dungeons, traps, badass bosses, carrots. Um, so there's random generation of some kind in here too, which I didn't realize when I was watching this because I watched the trailer today. Um, 
Uh, oh, they mention here, this game features a dark fantasy setting inspired in the classic games Heretic and Hexen. So that's... Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah it totally yeah. makes sense that that's the inspiration. What were, there wasn't there like a wacky item in that list? Carrots. Okay. <laughs> that's probably health. It's probably just yeah. exists in the game as like a health power-up or something, I would imagine. But I don't know. Didn't Heretic and Hexen have like a chicken thing? I can't remember. There I played those games so meat. long ago. Yeah. I feel, like, I feel like you can also be turned into one. Okay. This calls it a calls it a combination of FPS shooter, first-person shooter shooter, and roguelite. Roguelite seems like a decent, goofy um, yeah. instead uh, of roguelike port, like like portmanteau. Yeah, yeah for not for having to say roguelike with what that would sort of imply. First-person shooter shooter roguelite. Roguelike <laughs> like like light. Yeah, a roguelite like. <laughs> oh God. Um. So anyway, that's an answer cool. to this person's question. Maybe kind of not not maybe not directly, but it reminded me of it. Um, let's see what else is going on here. Zachary Byers, I haven't read this email yet, so I don't know what this person's going to say. Zachary Fuck Byer you. writes oh. in about Zelda nitpickiness. Oh, yeah, I know. Shit. I always worry when Fuck. people write into us about being nitpicky. <laughs> okay, first let me just disclaim that everything I've ever said about Zelda on this podcast, I got wrong. <laughs> now let's proceed. Um. Zachary Byers writes, Dear Thumbs, while listening to last week's episode, Anita, Anita mentioned having played A Link Between Worlds recently and having a s- small beef with the fact that Zelda gave the cool bracelet that lets you be a painting on the wall to the bumbling male protagonist. She said Zelda could have uh, gone and kept the, da- the darn thing herself and been awesome, and you launched into a discussion of gender roles in games and movies and such. It was a really good discussion, um, but there was a key point wrong. Zelda didn't give Link the bracelet. She just had one of the three pendant things that one needs to obtain the Master Sword. The bracelet came from the alternate world's would-be hero, Ravio, who came to Hyrule because he was scared of being the hero. He foisted the bracelet onto Link, hoping he would get stuff done and save the day. Which also brings a cool thing. In Hyrule, Link gets stuff done while Zelda's kidnapped and such, but in Low Rule, Rovi- Ravio ran away while Princess Hilda was doing her best to fix her land and being generally awesome, though a bit misguided. I just thought that was interesting. Love the podcast. I've had hours of laughs and thoughtfulness from you guys. Keep up the good work, Zach. So I don't really know what any of that means, because I didn't play this game. I mean, I played the first four-ish hours of it. I guess that's true. I just don't, I just didn't remember the, you know, minute details of the sure, sort yeah. of yeah. beginning. No, I but I, th- I think her point still stands. Yeah, the conversation sure. that came out of that was good, but yeah, I, I I forgot about that until after the episode was over and then went, oh yeah, that's not how that was, but whatever. And, and it sounds also, like... That yeah, is a, I, oh, just the thing that he brought up I thought was actually really nice about about that game that in in the Dark World... Link is a big baby, and yeah. like the Link equivalent is a big baby, and the Zelda equivalent is the boss who's actually fixing stuff. I thought that was good. Yeah, that's pretty cool, and that like just serves the point. I feel like that mm-hmm. it was making anyway. Yeah. So pretty cool. Um, Timothy Fletcher has another question about sort of that same large discussion we had. Hi, thumbs. Thank you so much for having Anita on the show. I'm happy to see she made it out of that mess intact and continues to be a source of thought-provoking discourse. In the last episode, you discussed the trope of the male schlub character taught the necessary talent to become the relatable character in game and in the narrative like Edge of Tomorrow. My question is, if the situation were reversed and instead it were an unskilled female character being taught by a skilled male character to the, who, and then she becomes the hero, couldn't the argument be made that this is depicting a paternalistic relationship showing that only through a male influence is the female made strong enough? I don't say this to be a jerk, but it seems that either way the trope is used, it puts one of the two genders in a weakened position. Love the show. P.S. Cyberpunk Kafkaila, Tim. Um, I, I think this is a sort of a valid point, except that the thing that makes it a trope is that it's used constantly yeah like if either of those two things were just the the plot of like um, a, a couple movies or like a couple games i don't think it would be 
as it wouldn't have enough meaning because it wouldn't imply a universal pattern. Like, like I'm trying right. to think about like movies where that gender relationship exists that he proposed in the email. It's it is actually not that common, is it? Like I mean, the only thing I can think of is like the new Karate Kid, Million Dollar Baby, Million Dollar Baby. So apparently, it's when you which train they had a woman the same plot fight. basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you train a woman to physically punch other human beings, yeah, you need a salty old dude. Yeah, I, I feel like it's just very uncommon. I mean, it's not, like, the worst point in the world. Certainly, like, it, the idea of, like, oh, the wise man and the dumb girl. Like, also, you the know. schlubby dude isn't always trained by a woman. The schlubby dude is also always, like... Yeah. Schlubby dude, who everyone else puts their life aside for, is just already shitty wish-fulfillment always. Right. And then it's exacerbated. The thing that actually makes him... It, <laughs> it's not necessarily that there's a skilled woman, although that, that does happen... But in a lot of cases, it's just that he's the only one who fucking sucks. Like right. in a lot of these situ- in a lot of these stories, right. it's just that he's the shitty one. But he's shitty because he's relatable. Like he's just a guy. He makes dick jokes, maybe. But because yeah. he's the shitty chosen one, everyone else right. has to fucking yeah, just do their yeah. It's kung it's fu really panda. pure pure it's kung fu panda. <laughs> Is that what happened in the nice. movie? I never yeah, Kung Fu Panda. Like Jack Black plays the Kung Fu Panda, who is just this schlubby kind of panda. schlubby panda who like works in a noodle shop. But then he ends up like landing up in the dojo full of all, literally all the best fighters in the entire world. <laughs> For some reason, I don't remember why. It's like a right place. It's like wrong either. place at yeah. the wrong time, right place at the right time situation where he is also pseudo chosen. Maybe yeah, he I shows so. he's got something that other people lack, like a little spark, and then they. Train him up and make him the cool guy that wins. There is a kind of thread that I, I I don't really like in a lot of modern, I would say especially 3D animated movies for children. Um, Pixar movies often have this and I don't like it. Um, Cars is like this and I, I think it's garbage. Um, which is this sensation that, this, this sense that like, just because you want the thing, that'll make you better than everyone. And like, right. you're actually secretly great. And like, there might be these other people who've been actually working hard their whole lives to get something, but they're probably assholes. And if you're just the, the one who is like, just wants the thing, even if you started out as a total jerk, like you'll, you'll get it. You deserve it the whole heart. time. Man, but the and flip like, side of that is Brad Bird Pixar movies, which are just that's true. It's Weirdly like, randy and where it's just like, you are a great person, therefore everyone else is to fucking... to yeah. rule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Where it's just like, you are the great chef. No one else can become one. Or like, you're a superhero. Fucking everyone else can just deal with it. <laughs> yep. It's true. Why though. award anything else? It is clearly mediocrity. Well, they both... I mean, I think the thing that is like a bummer about both of them is that uh, they, they, there's both. Well, the this... default message is you are awesome. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're either awesome because you're fucking born awesome or you're awesome because you're destined to be awesome. And you just need to care and then you can beat all the other people. Right. It's, it's, yeah, magic. But they both have a lot to do crap. with just like being better than other people instead of just being like a good person. The place that that collides the most, and man, we're getting into old persons down here, <laughs> is in all modern uh, YA movie adaptations. Oh, yeah. Totally. Oh, where it's like, yes. Millennials like their heroes chosen and their worlds dystopian, apparently. Yeah. They like it's everything like, to be shitty, but for one person to be rad. You can rise up because yeah. that's what they fucking believe or whatever. <sighs> I mean, the ones that are, are like, the ones that end up actually leading the pack ahead of these things, like, I feel like The Hunger Games is, like, the one that then everyone else did a million ripoffs of. Yeah. It generally does things to dodge that in smart ways, but by and large, it's still like 
Oh, man. I don't know. Like, the 800 million of those movies that are out right now make me feel old because I know nothing about any of the books and also make me feel old because they all look the same. Mm-hmm. But just, it also yeah. – it, it has that same problem to me of just like – it all, it's like it's the same problem that also exists in a lot of really questionable like – at least like live journal era fanfic and I imagine still exists now where it's like in this world full of either like mundane repressed people or incredibly magical people – one random boy, boop a doop a doop. Why? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. that's who you're going to be reading as because he's the cool one. Or like, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. You know, I I totally agree. It's, I just saw the Maze Runner this last weekend, mm, and it right. was an old people hour. Now I love it. Yeah, no, I know it's really it's kind of fascinating. I, mean, I just feel like with what you were saying, I almost feel like the Hunger Games. It's it's better for myriad reasons, but. I almost feel like because it's starring like a a young woman, it's mm-hmm. actually like slightly subversive in that way. Like which Hunger Games? Hunger Games. Yeah, in that like the the hero is like a a, a woman oh, as opposed to like oh the boy who was chosen. There's a know. lot of good things about Hunger Games, especially yeah. especially the first book and some of the second one. I just like that book is all written from inside the head of the main character of a 16 year old girl, and she just gets stuff wrong all the time and misreads people's intentions. And when you're reading it, you're you get upset with the story, but then moments punch through when you realize, oh, it's not actually the fault of what's of how this is structured that's actually deliberate and we're inside of the brain of someone who assumes that someone yeah. is being rude or p- plotting against her or being unhelpful when actually she just that's doesn't, what a teen does. She just that's doesn't what a teen get does. what's happening. Yeah. And yeah. like that all kind of shits on itself in the third one, but whatever. Yeah, I've um, heard I've heard such things. I've read them. I watched. The I have not read the books, but I, I do enjoy the movies a lot. I haven't seen or read either of them. That's fine. They're the Back to the Future of the modern era. <laughs> That's what I would say. Seems In terms fine. of quality, I would I would not debate that. Actually, I feel like they're yeah, right around the same the quality level. Is, is really good. Also, as far yeah. as the impact that those movies are going to have on people's lives exactly. who watch them, they're probably going to get carried ahead the way Back to the Future does. I'm pretty happy about that, actually. And they're not even about a white kid who invents rock and roll music. Exactly. <laughs> they're about a girl with a bow and arrow. Yep. Which is cool. Which is exactly how my dad described that, that movie. The, 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 <laughs> bow, the bow and arrow is the weapon that all uh, women protagonists of twenty what? of the yeah. 2010s need to and have. And women nerf users. I'm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice oh, yeah? Deep true? cut from last week, right? Well, don't they have... Doesn't Yeah, doesn't nerf have this, somebody like, wrote re- in. rebel Right, somebody line, wrote in like, or somebody was... It's all pink bows. Oh, man. It's pink and yellow bows. Because, and that's, like, directly a Hunger Games thing. It has because, to be. Because there was Hunger Games, Brave, and yes. Tomb Raider all came out. yes. Like in a big circle, and I, it was—I think Giant Bomb went insane about being the year of the bow, but it was also just yeah. the year of strong women heroes, yeah. which means they all sh- are archers. They're all archers. I don't know what that is. I, I'm not like opposed a, to that but idea, that's been but a it's a thing in fantasy for fucking forever. Like yeah. when you see the like when a video game markets itself as like a party-based fantasy game. It's because it's there's brutal. always like a woman with a bow and woman like a woman. It's because mage. it's brutal, but it's also like very elaborate and precise. Like a, and well, like it's like. A learned thing, like it's like a woman with a harp. Basically, yeah. I feel like it's like why? Do, why is that the <laughs> instrument that women play in right. in fantastical settings? Right. Why don't they just play a fucking saxophone or whatever? You know, like <laughs> that's a good do, point. Indeed. Why not? And, and actually, adding to that, <laughs> why don't they do <laughs> fucking saxophone? Why don't women play a fucking saxophone in fantastical settings? Jake Rodkin. Whatever. It was, it was also the same time. I mean, as- I agree with you. Obviously, so would Kirk Hamilton and Nick Brecken. <laughs> actually, that's that's definitely true. 
in Game of Thrones, the the woman that was Jon Snow's girlfriend is also an archer. So like it's yeah. like it's just adding and, and adding. Though, layer and a Grammy and the winning saxophonist, <laughs> <laughs> fucking baritone. She really sex. kills them with her smooth jazz. Yeah. That's how it works. She slays them with her bow, but she kills them on a sax. All the sax. You know nothing, Jon Snow. That was my saxophone impression. I hope you guys like it. doesn't seem like you're a strong lady protagonist with a saxophone. With no saxophone, what am I to do? I would probably take up the bow Find like a weathered old blues man to show you. Exactly. How to- <laughs> he's the, he's imparts his paternalistic yeah. skill. Yeah. Oh. Actually, wait till a dude shows up who wants to play the saxophone, then you have to be like, fine. And you learn how to play the sax really well, so you can then teach him how to play the saxophone. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. I would really like to see, on this note, tangentially, I would really like to see more women, like, melee warriors. Like, like women who are, like, sort of the Amazon stereotype, as opposed mm. to the, like, archer stereotype. Right. Not that we never have any of those, and believe it or not, Dragon's Crown actually had this. You're not going to see a lot of that, because a woman who's an archer is still graceful, whereas a woman who's an Amazon is threatening. Yeah, I know. Sorry. It's it's unfortunate. (laughs) See, I'd rather play as the threatening character. If I'm beating people up, if I'm I'm causing death... Could you choose in Diablo 3, you could choose either either sex for each class, right? That's cool. I I haven't... I didn't play very much Diablo 3, because it just didn't really land with me, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's the case. I always thought that the wizard was just a woman. You're thinking of the sorceress in Diablo 2. No, I'm thinking of the motherfucking wizard. Really? <laughs> Here's how we prove we literally know nothing about video games. <laughs> this is this is finally You wrote a song about the wizard in in Diablo 3. Cuz that was what was the, that was the announcement. The, was wizard the wizard was about how it's not a sorcerer, it's just the wizard. That has nothing to do with gender. It was inter- she, uh, the wizard was introduced as a woman character though. Well, that was the. I think cool. for each class they chose oh, that like this is oh, the one, one with the marketing assets. Yeah. But like, okay. in the game itself, you can. I just assumed that the wizard was always a woman in Diablo because you wrote a song about the wizard, about that rebellious foe, the wizard. No, it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, I'm no. into it. Yeah, in Diablo three, you can choose any gender. God, I thought I was going crazy. No, I, it's definitely how it was. I played that game for hours. I just didn't like it. Although, you know what? It's funny, but actually, I heard that when they brought that game to console, they brought it to People PS- are going apeshit over yeah, console Diablo 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe I should try My that. It's lower playing a lot camera. of it right now, actually. They, She's super into oh, yeah? it. Yeah. I was really confused because I saw like some videos and some assets of it, and I had no idea what it was because I associate Diablo so strongly with that camera angle. Oh, yeah. But in the console version, it's brought way in. It's brought down mm. to like a console angle. That seems like that's such a fundamental change to how Diablo works. Well, I think that's that's probably good if you're going to take a game to a system that it wasn't originally designed for because oh yeah no it it seems like it's i mean it seems like whatever they did they made the right choice yeah um because people are losing their their minds over over diablo 3 console edition yeah yeah it's good that blizzard is just making infinite money off of everything else given that they canceled that mmo (laughs) i know seven years in what a shitty situation it would be to be on that team that's a story you will never hear about ever yeah yeah i know man titan the Titan Falls. Oh. <laughs> you got the fart noise out of me. Is this the last reader mail Oof. ever sent? Um, I mean, we. I mean, I guess we could keep going. Sure. It's your day, Chris. Looks like Activision stock lost two percent today in the wake of that news. Whoa! All um, the people were holding out for Titan. All those people were holding out for MMOs to be a thing you can. I know. Right? Launch a new one up and make money. <laughs> 
Um, let's see here. Sorry, I didn't actually have enough stuff queued up. That's okay. Oh, I didn't know. That was the one cool thing about Dragon's Crown. They had a woman Amazon warrior. Mm. Although her butt was bigger than, like, like it stuck out at a really strange angle and it was gross. But <laughs> at least her, you could, yeah. <laughs> like, play as a, you know, kind of a brawler. God, someone has an incredibly long deep dive into Harry Potter about... <laughs> Neville Longbottom versus Han Solo. I don't know. Oh god. Oh man, I don't want to. I don't know if we should get into that. Yeah, that seems like tempting though. It is tempting right now. I'm permanently obsessed with my own stupid pitch from last week. I got to stop thinking about it. No, I'm. I am obsessed with that too. I know. I want that to happen. I don't care if it's if it's literally that, but just like it's it was like thinking about that stupid Zelda idea that popped into my head made me realize that until that moment I had been thinking about the fact that Zelda would only work if Link was Link. And then I was like, no, obviously you could make a game where the whole point is that, but the but that has nothing to do with the point, and it's just actually about the circumstances that you're given and like yeah. relationships that you have, and it would be really good. Um, oh, it would be so good. Because like, I know I read people on the Isle of Thumbs forum started talking about that, and they started going off into like, oh, maybe it's interesting if you're the kid who's not chosen, and you're... It's like, that's fine, that's fine, but... Just making a game where you play as Link and who Link is is slightly variable, but you keep inside of the story the path that was not your path. Yes. So you can just see it a little bit, but you would still have sort of like this these common experiences with this other person and they could sort of be the mirror to your life, which is another weird Zelda theme. It would add so much. It would be cool. Yeah. Um, and I feel God, dumb be for cool. being obsessed with it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm obsessed with it's it. It's just too. like Neville Longbottom. Like that guy's email probably doesn't say. <laughs> Mike Reeds writes about a request. In the future, when you talk about a specific game for an extended period, because you repeat the game title when you switch topics? If I zone out and miss the game title, it's a pain to rewind to figure out what it was. On that note, what is that 10-person card game you guys talked about in the last podcast? That is called Two Rooms and a Boom. Also discussed this episode man we're never gonna remember to do this but we should at the end of the episode we should just be like so we talked about the new steam update we talked about donkey kong doom super smash brothers for the 3ds sunless sea and gang beasts yes also um i'm not gonna read any one specific email here but we got several emails and tweets from people telling us that the pac-man game that anita brought up last week which was called what pac-man pac-man battle royale pac-man battle royale they actually have machines for that in like Four different bars in San Francisco. What? Yeah, we get we kept getting different emails with people calling out like one of these places. Being like, didn't you know in San Francisco they have one at this place? But then we got like four to six of those. That's awesome. Um, so we should probably go to one and play it. Oh, that field reminds, trip. We yeah. we didn't talk about. Um, I think it's just I think it's just called Killer Queen or Killer Queens. It's a a huge arcade cabinet. It's like an indie arcade game. I think it's five versus five. Um, it was at XOXO, and I, we didn't talk about it very much. Um, it's worth looking up if you're interested in weird arcade experiences. There's a couple cabinets of it on the East Coast, but the one that they brought to XOXO is now at the Ground Control Arcade in Portland. Oh, cool. Um, there's not, I can't say a whole lot because it's one of those things that you just never get a chance to play. But if for some reason you live in Portland or the Northwest, for some reason, it's there now, and it, it's pretty cool. Killer, killer Queens? Queens, probably, yeah. I don't know. Nice. Cool games all right cool um 
two points of housekeeping before we go this week. One, the Overstock and Unclaimed Idle Thumbs Music EPs are now in the store. So if you really wanted to get one of those Music of the Thumbs vinyl records, it's four songs. Uh, it's the theme song from episodes uh, 100 to 150. The Fanboy's Lament, The Wizard, and Space Asshole, all performed by Chris just for this album, pressed on vinyl. Um, there's a few left in the store. You can get them now. And also, as we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, we have started a Steam curation page. So check that out by just going to just Google Idle Thumb Steam Curation. It'll link you to it. Um, or our Dishonored Steam Curation page. Just search for <laughs> Idle Thumbs Dishonored Steam Curation. Um, so check also, that out. If you want to buy the music of the thumbs without getting it on a vinyl, you can do that at idlethumbsupbandcamp.com. Yes. So yeah, check out our EP or our MP3s. Check out our curation page. Also, if you'd like us to feature a game, um, $2 billion. <laughs> <laughs> two point, let's say 2.5. 2.5 billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. If it's, Bring if it's good enough for notch, it's good enough for idle thumbs. Yep. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I was going to say we'd feature Minecraft, but that's not on Steam. (laughs) That's already been spoken for. (laughs) That's true. That's coming up on the Xbox One curation system. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Which is just 30 sales guys in a room. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Uh, Oh, that wasn't very on Blade. Oh, God. Fucking. (laughs) Are we done? Is this podcast over now? It's over. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Blades. Cool. I'm going to go home and play Sunless Sea because it's really good. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to go home and sleep because that's pretty fucking sick. Yeah. I'm go open this door because I'm melting and I'm dead. Yeah. This is my old pop screen that Sean has usurped um, and is way better than the one that I that I inherited from him. That shit ass busted ass. That pooched. Fucking pooched ass pop pooched screen. Pooched piece of shit. This piece of shit's going to burn you. Pooched home. trash. Look at this thing. It's pooched. It's no good. <laughs> this guy's trying to give us a pooched pop screen. Oh, do we have any sponsorships? I mean, I assume we do. Oh, do we have any sponsorships? I don't know who they are, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I better check those this episode is brought to you by... Pooch. By Mr. Pooch. <laughs> pooch your pop screen right now. Pooch it right up. Mr. Popscreens is my father. (laughs) Call me pooched.